If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we have an interview with Layla Masri, who is an expert in digital marketing and usability. These are two topics that should be top of mind for every learning and education business. We're going to hear what Layla has to say about effective digital copywriting, among other topics. But first, we have a couple quick notes, and we want to, of course, highlight a resource that we think you might find valuable. So first, let's make sure that we thank your membership, our sponsor for the first quarter of 2017. Your membership's learning management system is specifically designed for professional education with a highly flexible and intuitive system that customizes the learning experience. Your membership's LMS seamlessly integrates with key systems to manage all of your educational content formats in one central location while providing powerful tools to create and deliver assessments, evaluations, and learning communities. You can find out more about your membership at yourmembership.com. Next, if you are listening to this episode on the day it was published, then it's not too late to join us for Learning Technology Design, our upcoming virtual conference created specifically for professionals in the business of continuing education and professional development. The event kicks off on March 1st, also known as tomorrow, at least according to my calendar. And you can get all the details at ltd.leadinglearning.com. And now, as Salisa mentioned at the beginning, we also want to carry on our recently established tradition of offering some sort of useful resource at the beginning of each episode. And this time around, with a nod to our interview with Layla Masri, we thought we'd highlight a tool for quickly testing out different types of visual designs. It's called Five Second Test. And the idea is that you can upload a design for just about anything. It could be a, a website homepage, a logo, a brochure, or some other sort of marketing material. It might even be an interface design for an online course. You upload it and then you share it with people from your target audience. They click a link, get five seconds to review it, and then are asked some questions about what they remember. You then get a report that lists their responses to the questions, which are things like, what does this site do? Or what did you like best about this design? And you also get a word cloud highlighting how frequently particular words show up. All in all, it's a very rapid and powerful way to get some first impression feedback on your design ideas. Now, there are paid versions of this, but all of what I just described, you can get for free. You just have to go to 5secondtest.com. And we'll also have a link to that in the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 72. Now, 5 Second Test is all about user experience. And I know that's at least one of the areas that Layla Masri is really focused on. So, what did you cover in your conversation with Layla, Salisa? Well, we focused in specifically on digital copywriting because she really does have a, a, an agency background, started in copywriting, and pretty quickly moved over and really focused on uh, copywriting in the digital space. She certainly brings up uh, the importance of visual design in our conversation and how uh copy and design really need to interact and, and play a supporting role in trying to get your your learners, your customers to take some action. So we talk about um, some mistakes that she tends to see organizations making with their copywriting. We also talk about some tips uh, in terms of what organizations can be doing and trying uh, out to try and get better at their copywriting and their marketing. And I'll also say that 
Layla is going to be a presenter at Learning Technology Design. She's going to be talking there much more in depth about some of the tips and best practices that she highlights in this conversation that I got to have with her. Well, Layla is very smart when it comes to, as you were saying, you know, copywriting, connecting copywriting and user experience, um, you know, really fulfilling the promise, which ultimately leads to conversion, which is something we talked about in our, in our last episode as well. So looking forward to hearing her at Learning Technology Design, and I'm looking forward to hearing her in this interview. So let's roll it. I'm Salisa Steele, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast, and today I'm joined by Layla Masri. Layla, who is co-founder of Bean Creative, comes from an ad agency background and has two decades experience as a marketing and web copywriter. She's an expert in concepting site interactivity, completing audience analysis and competitive research, advising on best practices for usability, and developing digital promotion plans. So Layla, thanks very much for making time to talk with me. Oh, my pleasure. And so to start us off, since I just offered a a pretty brief overview of your work, I want to give you a chance to say a bit more about being creative and and your background and, and your focus. Absolutely. Um, so being creative, we're a digital agency. We specialize in digital dynamite across a bunch of different platforms. So web, mobile, app environments. Um, but as you noted, um, my, my background is in um, advertising and in copywriting, and I actually got my start in um, the humble print world about 20 years ago. Um, so over the years, um, we've grown our footprint. Um, so we've been really honored and humbled to work with some of the biggest brands um, in the nation. We work with a lot of different associations, certainly, um, but also some really amazing folks like National Geographic, Verizon, PBS. Um, I think probably the coolest conference call I ever had was um, when we were doing a redesign of the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood website, oh. and I got to talk to Mr. Rogers. I was reduced to like a five-year-old on the telephone. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, good good stuff there. But as I mentioned, association is, is a huge piece of our market, as is environment, um, entertainment, education, nonprofit, kids, all kinds of um, interesting stuff that keeps us on our toes. So there's kind of never a dull moment in what we do. And actually, currently, we're diving into beacon development and virtual reality. So, um, yeah, busy, interesting times, it seems, always. Yeah, exciting stuff. Um uh, so, you know, as I mentioned, you have a lot of experience with, with marketing and digital copywriting. And, and I think that's a really important topic because, you know, if, if we want to teach or help people really in any way, you know, we have to market. We have to show the value of what we're offering. Um, but before we get too much further, I think it would be helpful to define the term copywriting. So what is copywriting? What, what makes it different from other types of writing? Sure. Unlike um, the legal profession, (laughs) copywriting um, in the advertising and marketing world is um, really the art and science of creating text that gets people to take some form of action. It could be, um, you know, buying a product. It could be downloading something. It could be joining. It could be a whole different form of of advocacy. But really, copywriters are, are... um, you know, the, the people that are creating the, I like to call it the kind of the non-sexy stuff, because certainly in digital design, um, the sexy stuff is the, the user interface, the, the interaction, but the copywriting is like, you know, the meat and potatoes, the, um, the real breadwinner in the, the, the digital marketplace. Um, 
and and so that's why I just love it so much is that it's it's persuasive writing and in fact my kids um, are in middle school and they complain about having to practice persuasive writing and I tell them they can make an entire career out of it. <laughs> and they get they ask for your help then, right? They they see your real value. <laughs> I, I think I force it on them more than anything. <laughs> Let mommy edit this for you. No, no, no. They run away. Um, but it really um, it's interesting because um, copywriting in a certain extent people think oh you know it's it's writing um, you know anybody can do that and it's kind of um, you know anybody yes lots of people can write but the the ability to do compelling writing is really essential. And actually, right now, the, the copywriting field is really exploding. Um, brands are realizing they need crisp, targeted copy um, to have a really compelling online presence, again, no matter what they're doing, whether it's selling, advocating, educating, um, and having a website and any other digital properties really creates an immediate pressing need for quality content. So copywriters are doing everything from blogging and writing article copy to social media uh, content, product descriptions. It's its really um, a very vibrant field right now. You know, so you mentioned that you got your start in um, in print, uh, in, in copywriting in the print world. Why, what made you decide to focus on, on digital? Well, it was, uh, for a lot of it actually was, was more of um, necessity because, um, as I mentioned, starting in print copywriting, it was really the start. Uh, I started in uh, my my first job in the agency world in 95 and that was just at the beginning of the the, cur- the commercial rise of the internet um which i will say makes me feel really old saying that out loud but anyway um so the reason my company even got started is that uh, i got really frustrated trying to convince people about you know why they should add this into their marketing mix and there really weren't a lot of people doing mm. web development then so that was kind of the impetus to start my company so naturally then i i pivoted um my copywriting skills to the digital world. And, and I mean, Pivot makes it sound like it was really simple, but uh, as I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking about more in a moment, writing for print is a lot different than writing for digital. Uh, print pretty much assumes that you're reading in more or less a linear fashion. Mm-hmm. And uh, writing for digital definitely takes some getting used to because at first it feels like you're almost being too repetitive because you're kind of imbuing your content over and over with a lot of your your key messaging. And so, um, you know, that's, that was a really interesting shift. And right now, I mean, there's more than like 27 million pieces of content shared across the web every single day. And I, I lifted that stat yesterday, and it's probably bigger um, today. So <laughs> this, it's a huge number, and it just really shows how important digital content and copywriting um, can be. Certainly it is not just for being able to to persuade people to take the action you want, but also just to get eyeballs. Um, Again, I can dive into this more, but search engine optimization um, really is driven very heavily uh, based on the quality of the content that you have. So really digital copywriting also takes the form of inbound marketing, um, when you're pulling people in to your content. And we all know we're all Googling and using search engines every day. So um, the ability to, to, to do digital uh, copywriting in particular and create really high-quality content um, is really important because you've got mere seconds, if not less than a second, to intrigue and attract people. All right. So it sounds like you really saw the, the future of digital, and that's what sort of made you focus on that area. And and I think you've already begun to get into this somewhat, but I'm, I'm going to just ask it 
directly as a question in case you have more to add, but can you talk a little bit about the relationship then between copywriting and conversion? Absolutely. Well, the idea really is that, um, as I mentioned earlier, the the design is is the the sexy stuff and and the important aspect of creating um, a flow and an appeal and an aesthetic, but you know, most people are not buying something based simply on a, on a, a layout or pictures. It's really the copy that um, converts. So in my opinion, um, there's really two key reasons why strong writing is important. And the first one I just mentioned, which was search engine optimization. Um, some really, really compelling stats. If, if you're um, not sure why you should focus on your copywriting, I will say this stat in particular, the top three results in Google earn 60% of all organic clicks. Mm. Imagine what that means if you've got copy that is not um, compelling, that is, is not written in a way that um, other people are connecting to and then you know, boosting the value of, of your click. So the good news, of course, is that with professional copywriting, um, you are able to create really high content quality, so that does boost your search engine optimization. Um, it allows you, um, hopefully, to craft a really smart content strategy, which is another piece of it. It's not just what you write, it's how it fits into the communications mix. Um, and so being able to uh, garner leads from search engine optimization allows you to be able to um, boost your close rates um, much more so than, than things like um, direct mail. So it's really effective in a variety of different capacities. That said, um, things like email marketing, newsletters, all these things really factor into um, that communications piece. So it's not just search engine optimization, but that certainly does start the conversation. You, know, you do have to get eyeballs there. Um, and probably the second piece, um, the other reason I think strong writing and that, that relationship you noted between copywriting conversion is, is the rise of, of content marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, as I just mentioned, it's not just about getting eyeballs to your website. It's about your blog. It's about your um, products and services. If you're having you know, events, if you're getting people to join, if you're getting people to do certification, it's all about that kind of 360 view of how you are communicating that message and having consistency throughout. Um, so in particular, uh, blogging is just a great way to reach out and connect with would-be customers or attendees, and content strategy is a big part of it. So the copywriting skills are, are going to help you create the quality um, and, and that brand voice. And then um, you know, having that consistency in your message across all the vehicles help you earn new customers. Um, again, because I wanted to pull up some interesting stats because copywriting can, can be, um, you know, kind of seems like it's like breathing, right? You just write, right? <laughs> um, but when, when marketers are blogging daily, 82% of them are, are getting new customers um, through that. And, and I know personally that I connect with brands and, and competitors that have uh, really compelling blogs where they're teaching you. And I think that's a big piece of it, um, which I'm happy to dive into more, is that really good copywriting is not selling, mm. it's informing. And by informing, you are then giving people um, an insight into how you do business and getting them to connect with you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and right, because you're conveying that value, it is about then 
you're 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 teaching them that that you can deliver even more value if if they would uh, come to your event or or buy whatever. That's great. Absolutely. So you know, I think you've laid out a very clear picture of kind of why copywriting, digital copywriting in particular, matters. Um, talk a little bit about some of the most common, or if you prefer, some of the biggest mistakes you tend to see organizations making with, with copywriting that that aims to convert. Sure. Um, and I'll focus on, on digital because obviously that's where, where I see the, the most issues. I'd say um, one of the biggest problems I, I see is that people kind of want to set it and forget it. Mm. You know, I wrote that page, it's done, it's on the website or it's on the blog or whatever. Um, and I think much like any other piece of your, your marketing, whether it's um, the look and feel of your website or the content of your website, um, there is a need to refine, to edit, um, and absolutely to measure and, and to test. So one of the things um, that I will admit not all of my clients really want to do, some of them are, are brought kicking and screaming into it, but really a big advocate of A-B testing. Mm. Um, you know, testing one message versus another, testing one headline over another. And it can be simple. You know, headline, which headline on your um, e-newsletter uh, gets the most clicks? Or how could you change the title of your blog post to, um, you know, get more engagement? So what, what actions are bringing the biggest conversions? And they don't have to be huge lifts, but minor tweaks along the way not only help you um, kind of lift the value um, of what you're doing, but it definitely helps you hone your writing skills. So the more you're working on a headline, the more you're working on um, creating copy that does convert, you know, that's, that's a muscle that you exercise. So... Um, you know, you like, we all like to check the box and get our to-do list done, but, um, you definitely need to also put a reminder on your calendar to go back and check how things are doing and, and, and build in some time there. Um, another one I think that is a, a huge issue, um, and everyone is a victim of it, myself included, is the idea that the homepage is the start. Everyone starts on your homepage, uh. right? <laughs> Wrong. Um, these days, uh, most people are arriving through search engines. Many, many people are arriving through search engines, and that means they are doing deep dives down into your content. So um, it's a double-edged sword. So you that therefore means that your deeper interior pages still have to convey a lot of meaning. You can't assume that they know anything else about you other than what's on that one page. Mm-hmm. And it also means that um, you know you can't allow your homepage to be the beyond and all of everything. So um, you know that that does sometimes create some issues when people are trying to think of their content strategy and, and their key messaging. But that's a really important one: is to never assume that. Um, someone's going to be on that one page where you talked about that thing one time. So repetition is going to be key. Um, I'll also add a couple other quickies. Um, breaking out content into manageable chunks is, is really important. That's not to say that long scroll pages um, don't convert because there's a lot of metrics around those um, kind of long scrolling pages that allow you to kind of go through content. But the big piece there is that you have to break it into skimmable chunks of copy. Um, you have to have call-out headers. You have to have call-out boxes. You have to certainly work with your designers to have a good flow of the design. But the idea is to keep your eyes moving to give um, really good ability to um, 
for people to kind of read and digest things as they like. So there's not as many people these days that are just sitting down with a cup of coffee and just digesting, you know, really long white papers. Even even technical things could be done better. Um, that's an important one, too. I will say probably the biggest pet peeve and the biggest issue that causes people to, to lose um, traction with their content, though, is passive language. Um, it's mm-hmm. really important to use action verbs. That's the best way just in your head. Is this an action verb? Discover, boost, maximize, engage, things that sound like you're doing something. You know, you want people to do something, you have to, to, to start that off. So you don't want to use where, where was, can, ing verbs. You want to get rid of, of those, especially in, in your headline. So instead of saying things like we specialize in certification training, you want to say earn certification in two weeks. Um, and the, and that also brings up a, a final point, which is that um, in the difference in those two sentences, we specialize in versus earn certification, you move the focus away from from you and more to the benefit that the recipient will get. So people care about themselves. They, I, I want to earn something. Um, I don't really care what you specialize in so much as I care that I'm going to benefit from it. So little tweaks like that, um, you know, that, that can be sticking points that can minimize conversion. So I always remind people, you know, that, that kind of um, language, just your choice of language is, is really important. Well, great. So, you know, with, with some of those, I guess, common mistakes, like, you know, just thinking you can kind of be the one and done or set it and forget it, um, assuming people are going to come to the homepage, failing to chunk content, using passive language. I mean, so you've, you've touched on some of those mistakes. And I think as part of talking about that, you've already started talking about some, some tips, like using the, the active verbs, doing some A-B testing. Do you have other tips for, for folks who really want to up their copywriting game and get better at, at, at conversion? Absolutely. Um, one of the best things that you can do is um, to use storytelling. Mm. Um, we all like to hear stories. Um, there, there's lots of room for us to throw data at people. You know, I obviously use some statistics and some interesting facts um, in explaining why copywriting is important. Um, but we all like to hear stories, um, and, and those are really the best ways to hook people. You don't want to throw a bunch of features at people. Um, unless those features are woven into, um, you know, a description about why this is going to benefit your end user. So the example I always give people um, is an infomercial. We all laugh at them, right? They're over the top. They're ridiculous. But they're also really successful. Um, There are many, many people that are compelled to buy all kinds of random stuff from infomercials. And so if you stop to think about why, um, it's really interesting. So if you think about the start of an infomercial, they always show some kind of pain point. Somebody is opening a cabinet and all of their, you know, Tupperware falls uh-huh. out on them. Or, you know, they're trying to blow dry their hair and they short out the, the lights in their bathroom. It's always over-the-top ridiculous. We all chuckle at it. But what they're doing is they're illustrating a pain point. They're starting with a grabber, something that, emo- that evokes emotion. Um, from there, they um, so they're addressing the, your pain from the get-go. From there, they then use... 
um, kind of a big picture to get to their value proposition. So they're showing the solution. And as they do that, of course, they are showing the benefits and the features, but really what they're doing is they're telling a story about how the pain point is removed. You know, the sham wow, your car is going to look amazing. Your neighbors are going to think that you get it professionally detailed every week. So you're showing things in action. Um, and then finally, they're ending with a really strong call to action, mm-hmm. which of course is to buy. It's repeated. It's specific. It's very easy to understand. So, I mean, obviously that's a very kind of um, maybe silly version of it, but, but I like to think of that in my head when I'm writing because I think like, would this be a good, um, you know, would this follow the infomercial um, format? Mm-hmm. And I, uh, what it goes back to, which is really interesting, I do a lot of reading on, on sales and, and language and, and persuasive arguments, whether it's for a pitch or um, for content writing for the, the web. And the reason why this works, and there's tons and tons of studies that you'll have to go after listening to this and, and go look them up, but there's the reptilian brain is kind of our oldest part of our brain, and it's like the um, the fight or flight instinct comes from there. And what's really interesting, it's almost counterintuitive, is that we make decisions with our emotions more than we do with a bunch of facts rattled off at us. And so that's why these types of infomercials and this type of process of like starting with a pain point and then illustrating how you solve it is really effective. Um, so that is is a, a big piece of, of um, what makes your can, what can make your copywriting successful, and then if I could rattle off a few other ones that I think are really Please, important yeah. to keep in mind, <laughs> um, right for like a sixth, seventh, eighth grade reading level tops. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you have the smartest, most professional, educated. Um, intelligent readers, when you are marketing content, um, you want to make things really uncomplicated and very easy to understand. Um, so big words are awesome, but you know, use that in, in places where it makes more sense. For example, when you're actually inside of your educational content, but when you're trying to get somebody to sign up for something, keep it simple. Um, and also make sure that you're offering complete information. There's nothing more frustrating and nothing that will get people to back out of the sales process or purchase process or registration process faster than a lack of information. Um, they can always skip the parts that they know or they don't need to know and just buy, um, but make sure that you have given people the entirety. And whether that means you utilize certain design elements like tabs or, you know, kind of chunking content, um, that's going to be really important. Don't let people get frustrated because they can't find out how much shipping is or they don't know, um, you know, they can't get certain things until they log in. Like, keep it really, really simple. Um, and, you know, make sure when you're writing, this is one that I do a lot, um, it's, it makes you feel uncomfortable, but you need to do it. You need to write out all of the possible questions, doubts, and objective, and objections mm. that your readers might have in the buying process. Because if you don't address those in your content in some way, you are not going to be able to, um, to convert them. Um, and that's, that's a really big piece of it is, 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 making sure that you've addressed it. And then on the flip side, making sure that you're showing how other people are are using your product or benefiting from your um, training or certification or attending an event. I mean, you want to use testimonials. You want to show off your numbers. 
Um, but you want people to be able to visualize things. You really can't be what you can't see. So showing people when you do this, when you take this course, this is the impact. Um, you are going to have, see these types of changes. That's that kind of infomercial hook at the end where, you know, now you're not burning the food or now, um, you know, your kids are getting to school on time, whatever that is. That's, um, you know, a big piece of it. And I'd say finally is, is to make sure that when you're writing, it's, conversational. You are creating a connection with the reader. You want to be like an Oprah or Richard Branson, kind of a voice I like to think of. Somebody who just seems like cool and friendly to talk to and and not, um, you know, stuffy and and very obviously selling to you. As I mentioned earlier, that idea of of being informative as opposed to selling, um, that really can come through in in your tone and makes a big difference in your writing and, and the impact of your writing. Well, great. Those are great tips. Very practical, very actionable. Um, and, and so as a next question, uh, you know, you've, as we mentioned, you've been working in, in copywriting and digital copywriting for a long time at, at this point. So I'm curious to know what changes you've noted, you know, what, what's really working with web marketing these days that's, that's different than in the past, perhaps. Absolutely. Well, as I mentioned earlier, um, long gone are the days where people start at your homepage. Um, so with that in mind, um, and this might be a, a, an additional, here's what to do when you're writing tip, but you need to learn to be very repetitive with your key messaging, um, whatever that is. And you need to spend uh, time focusing on more of a soundbite style um, so instead of a, like a long, like here is a, uh, I wrote a page of content and now I expect somebody to read it and then they will buy whatever it is I'm selling or they'll register or what have you. Um, it's a more, copywriting these days is more um, creating these bite-sized pieces. People are doing more skimming and a lot less deep dive reading. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, um, the meteoric rise of things like the BuzzFeed style listicle articles Mm. um, where it's more like a slideshow um, and it's just bite-sized pieces and you can digest them quickly and easily. They're easy to use on a phone. They're easy to use on a desktop. So, I mean, even thinking about the ways in which people are accessing this content is much different than when I first started writing for the web 20 years ago. So you really need to think about these very pithy, uh, bite-sized chunks. And definitely, although we're talking about copy today, they absolutely, copywriting does not exist in a vacuum. It has to um, have a good visual component. So working with a a good designer and and user interface um, is going to be essential to make those things really shine. Um, I'd say one other piece that is um, really spectacular. Everything that that, that um, is old is new again, right? We go like bell bottoms come back in, and and all these kinds of different trends ebb and flow. And you know, email marketing has grown substantially. It, it definitely got pushed to the side for a while, I think, um, especially with the rise of apps and other things that were were you know maybe more interesting. I'm using air quotes, um, <laughs> but you know, if you think about um, if you just Google like how to write the best email subject line, you will find you know thousands of articles to get an idea. You will see how important um, this once overlooked communications vehicle has become. Especially millennials are, are gravitating more toward um, you know some of these kind of lower tech 
uh, types of communication tools. I, one of the new trends that I've been seeing that, that just makes me chuckle is, is adding emojis in the subject line. And I'll mm. tell you, that would have absolutely <laughs> floored me a few years ago. It would have seemed like the most unprofessional thing in the world. And now it's like kind of a little nod to being, you know, hip and, and a little wink at, at um, you know, being kind of cool with your brand. So it's just so fascinating. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like in the next five years. Well, that's what I wanted to ask next. And you, you, maybe you have an idea, maybe you don't, but you know, it's, it's kind of what, what do you see on the horizon? You know, what, what new developments do you think um, the next few years will bring in digital copywriting and an online conversion? If you want sure. to put on your future goggles. Well, you know, it, it's, it's hard to say, I will say as a, as an aside, um, when when our agency got into app development about eight years ago, I was a big naysayer about even starting it. I said, you know what? We know so many programming languages. Now we're going to have to learn something new. It just seems like maybe we should wait. And my co-founder of the agency was like, yeah, yeah, Layla, that's nice. And he went off and created kind of a test project. And, and from there, we ended up making... Um, apps for you know major publishers and and PBS and all these people. So I'll say I'll say you know asterisk. What do I know? But um, <laughs> <laughs> I certainly think for copywriting in particular, um, and I I think everybody can see this coming. But social selling is growing tremendously. So it's not just that sales comes from inside your organization, but the idea of engaging this very growing and vocal group of people who want to advocate for you Mm. um, is a really big thing to consider. So it's not just what you're saying about your, your products, but how you compel other people to take your message out and to make sure that they understand your brand and that they're, um, you know, helping sell in a way that's, that's actually helpful for you. I think um, in particular LinkedIn and Twitter right now are really doing this well. I mean, LinkedIn has a lot of ability for people to be publishing articles or, you know, kind of almost like blog posting. Um, Medium's another one. And so there's a lot of already popular social networks for professionals where people are looking for insight. Um, but you can also engage with your prospects, your clients, your partners, um, wherever. And, and so now we're seeing, I know just yesterday I saw on one of the lists that I'm on um, how an association used um, Snapchat and created a curated channel for um, their annual meeting. So this is only going to to grow, and I think that ability to um, kind of relinquish some of that messaging to your audiences is, is a little scary, but also exciting. I think there'll be a lot of opportunities for people to, to do this well. Great. Yeah, no, I think that idea of the social selling that has that, uh, of course, innate social proof that goes with it, that makes a lot of right. sense. Yeah. So th- this is the next to last question, and this is one we ask everyone uh, on the Leading Learning Podcast since we are a podcast focused on learning. So talk a little bit about your own approach to lifelong learning, how you stay up on, on new trends, continue to develop your skills and, your, and, and, and what you know about what you do. Well, thank God for the internet, right? Because <laughs> honestly, I spend um, a decent part of my week just finding and listening to cool webinars like you guys put on and um, podcasts and all kinds of, you know, TED Talks, all these great people are producing content that you can get to for, for free. So it's just um, amazing 
what you can get your hands on. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of old school in some ways. So I like to read business books on like actual paper. Mm. <laughs> um, so I take a lot of suggestions. I'm, I'm in a lot of different groups. So Facebook groups for marketing, LinkedIn groups for digital um, development, you know, all these different aspects of what you do. Find those groups and, you know, follow them. And there was a post um, recently in a Facebook group that I was on. It was a group of uh, agency owners, and they were sharing their favorite business books. And so I researched a couple of them that I thought would be really interesting, and one of them um, was so amazingly compelling. I mean, I wrote a thank you note to that that person that that suggested it. It actually helped me win new business within like a week of reading it. So I'm a real big um, proponent of leveraging all these different professional groups online um, and and really looking at at um, you know who's the movers and shakers. I also follow some regular go tos for me are, are people like Jill Conrath, who's a very noted. Um, expert in, in selling, um, which is different than, you know, it's not copywriting tactics, but obviously sales is part of of copywriting. So mm. I really like her and the HubSpot sales blog. I get a lot of inspiration from those. Um, I'm sure, you know, your readers have many other places for inspiration, but always, always build in time um, to do that. And, and I like short form and long form. So the books are great, but I like little listicle articles too. Um, Inc. Magazine does a good job with some of those too. Well, that's great. And I liked how your example of the, the book that came out of the, the Facebook, uh, group, I mean, that's social selling right there, right? You exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if that book owner knew the, the authors of those books, you know, if they could trace back, like why did Layla buy that book? Mm-hmm. It would probably be really amazing. So final question, if, if listeners want to know more about you or connect with you, where should they look? Well, I'd say the obvious, of course, is um, the Being Creative website, um, which is beingcreative.com. Um, I'm also the voice of our brand on Facebook and Twitter, um, also Being Creative um, on both of those platforms. And I'm in LinkedIn as Layla Masri. But honestly, I really prefer um, one-to-one personal conversations. So anybody who wants to reach out to me, um, via email. It's lmossery at beingcreative.com. And um, I would love to chat with people. It's, I'm really passionate about it and um, happy to share my, my tips and um, resources to the best of my ability. Well, great. Thanks so much for your time, Layla. Absolutely. My pleasure. That wraps up our interview with Layla Masri. As we're exiting, we want to say thanks again to your membership for being the sponsor of this episode of the podcast and for the first quarter of 2017. You can find out more about your membership at yourmembership.com. And we also want to mention again that it is not too late to register for Learning Technology Design, or LTD, our annual event specifically for professionals in the business of continuing education and professional development. Again, you can get all the details and register at ltd.leadinglearning.com. To get show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 72. And while you're there, you will see options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of what you hear, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe. We'd also be grateful if you'd take a minute to give us a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes, and that'll direct you to the appropriate place. And putting a review there, putting a rating there, uh, obviously makes us feel good if, if you're getting some value out of the podcast, but it also makes it much easier for others to find out about the podcast when they're searching iTunes uh, to, to find good content. 
And consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share. Or if tweeting isn't your thing, you can pick uh, another social network and spread the good word that way. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.